Hey y'all, welcome to Water Break with Waterboy and comedian John Brannon and me over and there. Me. And we also have uh, Daniel Spratt on the show with us today. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to to chatting with you guys. All the stuff. Now, me and John last oh, week were things. in Rapid City, South Dakota. We did a Liberty Tour stop there. And uh, John opened up. And John, you, you, dude, I... You surprise me every time, man. You kill it. You're not expecting that, are you? No. You're not expecting me to actually be competent no. to get on stage. I'm like, oh, this is going to hurt. Oh, this yeah. is going to be awkward. I get that a lot. <laughs> Dude, I was not expecting you to be any good. It totally shocked me. You, you just don't look like it. I know. I don't look like there's anything that I should be good at. <laughs> yes, anything. Like absolutely zero. Nothing. Yeah. There's nothing about me that would that would make anybody think, oh, but that guy is, I'll bet that guy's really good at you know, anything. At being funny. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet, the, I'll bet this guy's terrible at everything he tries. Uh, we had some Dr. Pepper on ice. Mm, that was good, huh? You, you, <laughs> you uh, after I left the next day, you ordered another Dr. Pepper on ice because of that. Well, I didn't order it, but yeah, I put, I put Dr. Pepper in a glass and put ice in that same glass just because I was I wasn't sure that it was that big a deal when you gave it to me and I wanted to make sure that I was right about that and I was it's just uh, for for those who are watching I'm going to bring you on our little inside joke here um it's not an inside joke it's 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 fact um you know if you're drinking Dr Pepper out of a can you're you're missing out you're missing out it has to be poured over ice and then and then actually um, this is even um, probably more controversial, but one of the best ways to smoke a cigar is with Dr. Pepper on ice. I'm serious. Like the pairing, the pairing of like the um, the fizziness and the coldness and kind of the fruity flavors that's in the in, in the Dr. Pepper. It it just for whatever reason it works with cigar, man. It works. All I know, Daniel, is that we traveled hundreds of miles in search of ice. So that he could drink his Dr. Pepper, and yeah. we we accosted a number of employees at the uh, conference center who were who were not able to get us ice, but they they made a few phone calls, pulled a few strings. It worked, uh, and everything everything came together. Yeah, it was beautiful. I have to take your word for it. I normally prefer my cigars with Lagavulin, but. Maybe Dr. Pepper's better. I don't know. Hey, I'm not. I'm not. Not against Scotch. Talisker is probably one of my best favorite pairings with cigar. Talisker, um, but there's just something about cigar and Dr. Pepper. You just got to try it just once. If you don't like I'll it, try it. Move on. Move on. Hey, y'all. This episode is brought to you by AR500 Armor. Mission of Armored Republic. You notice I went from AR500 Armor to Armored Republic. They are uh, the same company. Um, and a rebranding as Armored Republic, is to honor Christ by equipping free men with tools of liberty necessary to preserve God-given rights. In the Armored Republic, there is no king but Christ. We are a free craftsman. Body armor is a tool of liberty. We create tools of liberty. Free men must remain ever vigilant against tyranny wherever it appears. God has given us the tools of liberty needed to defend the rights he bestowed on us. Armored Republic is honored to offer you those tools. Visit them at Armor AR. 500armor.com AR500armor.com and uh, also Armor Republic is supporting and sponsoring our Liberty Tour 
a stop in Phoenix, Arizona, May 19th. So if you are in the area, or actually, we, we got we in when we were in Fort Worth, we had people flying from Maryland to the for our show. is is really just a fun, fantastic fellowship time. Uh, registrations open and tickets are going, going, going. Not going. Not, not gone yet. Not gone. They're going, going. They're Anyways, going. we have Delano Squires coming out with us. We're flying him out to Phoenix, Arizona, and Jeff Durbin, the home, the you know going to his backyard. Jeff Durbin's gonna be joining us on the stage for a rowdy, uh, you know, discussion on the tools of liberty. Wine and beer, of course, is always kind of just comes with cross-politic psalms and fellowship uh, at a very unique event location. That's Raining Grace Ranch. So we're actually this this horse ranch. It's fantastic location, beautiful. Um, or have say a stage, all that set up and everything. Raining Grace Ranch. That's like you know Jesus is King reigning, not like pouring down rain. It's you know kingship reigning. Grace Ranch. Oh, I'm glad you told me because I had a different. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were being evangelical go, about it. the wrong place. <laughs> you and your evangelical thoughts. You were thinking like the the grace is pouring down on I me. Never, I never you know? think about raining like the king. It's always weather related <laughs> with me in my <laughs> Church of Christ background. <laughs> That's right. So hey, you know what else goes good with the uh, Armored Republic body armor? What's that? Ice and a cigar. And a, what you just ice in a cigar? That's it. Well, you drink, you put Dr Pepper okay, on ice in go. a cigar, and you slip into your Armored Republic body armor. You just sit on the porch with body armor on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do that all the time, huh, John? Well, if you haven't tried it, don't knock it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No comments. No comments. Uh, D- D- <laughs> Dana, I know he has body armor. I know he does. Those right who now. sign up. We'll also be able to join us for a pre-event dinner. Hopefully, details coming soon on that. Um, we'll sign up today, and we'll see you in Arizona May 19th. Really excited about that last stop at our Liberty Tour there. Okay. Cannonball or belly flop? You decide. Easter week is here, and one of me and my wife's family goals has been trying to figure out how to make this week, you know, kind of quite the celebration, like like Christmas. It's easy getting excited about babies being born, you know, mysterious magi following the stars, miracles surrounding Christmas, angels appearing all over the place. But there's something about Easter, I think, that throws us off. How come we can't celebrate Easter like we do Christmas? How, how do we, part of it is, you know, how do we celebrate a murder, an innocent man's crucifixion, a kangaroo trial, you know, all this anger and envy on display, you know, Peter's denials, um, Christians generally have two reactions when celebrating Easter. First, we, we either sentimentalize it, you know, bunnies, babies, and you know, bunnies and Easter baskets and kittens kind of kind of thing, or we're we're somber throughout the week, downplay Good Friday, and then pull out the ham on Sunday. I think that's about as best we can do with it right now. Now there really is a darkness to this week that should not be ignored. We we killed God in the flesh. It's that simple. My my sin nailed each hand on that cross. My sin nailed his feet to the cross. My sin whipped and tore the flesh off our holy and just God. My sin spit and spewed vile and mocked Jesus, who had the power to crush all of his accusers, the soldiers, you know, Pontius Pilate, the crowds. My sin stood and watched Jesus carry his cross through town to the hill of Golgotha. My sin stared in the indifference as the Savior of the world was lifted up on the cross. 
and my sin slaughtered and sacrificed my Savior because my sin would not allow me to think that murdering Jesus was wrong. Everyone in that crowd who murdered Jesus did not think what they were doing was wrong. I I fled Christ when Judas, you know, Iscariot betrayed Christ. I denied Christ again and again, just like Peter did. I doubted just like Thomas. Um, we all would have done the same things that happened during uh, death and resurrection week, during Easter week. But in all this, as Peter denied Christ three times at the crescendo of, of the violence committed against Jesus by, by the soldiers, Jesus turned, I was reading Luke this morning, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. You know, Jesus turns and looks on us and has compassion on us in that moment. We're denying Christ and Jesus is still looking on us. Um, Jesus looked on us in our pitiful condition of sin and misery and that that drove him to the cross. Our sin really did drive him to the cross, kangaroo court and all. But not only did our sin place Jesus on the cross, but our sin also motivated Jesus to the cross. This is an important point. Jesus wanted to die for the sins of the world. Not only did my sins throw him there, but Jesus wanted to die for the sins of the world. And he did it in order to save us in this broken world. All our shame, all our pride, all our lust, our anger, betrayal, bitterness, hatred, selfishness, idolatry, horrible marriages, adulteries. You know, this list of sins is great. Uh, All of our sin Jesus willingly took on himself, took them deep into the grave, and in that glorious darkness that covered the earth, Jesus rose again so that we, that me and you will forever be forgiven and in full fellowship with our God for all eternity. So we celebrate Easter with a joy that no holiday can compete with. Christmas cannot compete with Easter. And we celebrate Easter with a confidence that is unshakable and a faith that even the greatest earthly violence cannot take away from even with the, the the faith that even the greatest earthly violence cannot move peace is in you because jesus purchased all of the world's violence and killed it and you are untouchable and you have that peace in christ this is what we're celebrating we're celebrating a victorious king who laid his life down for a people he so loved it's that simple but that simple truth should cause far more joy and should cause us to figure out how to celebrate, I think, uh, Easter with such more affection and joy um, than even Christmas. As much as all the energy we have around Christmas, I want to try to figure out how we can celebrate Easter with that much more vigor and energy and joy. Cannonball or belly flop, John? Well, I think you uh, you said whether or not, you, you started with whether or not we can actually celebrate uh, the kangaroo court and the crucifixion and, and so on. And then you led into why we can celebrate it because Christ was willing to do that thing uh, that he did. And if it wasn't for all of those awful things, then there would be no hope, mm-hmm. right? Yep, so that's right. The, I, I think the, the resurrection I have hypothesized before is actually a punchline. It's my, Easter is my favorite celebration because it's the most comedy related mm-hmm. um, comedy depends on a on a surprise comedy depends on things being you expect things to be one way and they turn out to be another right and so like uh you know where you can find a turtle with no legs <laughs> right where you left it 
And that's the same thing. <laughs> I was going to say in its shell, but <laughs> it's the same thing with with Easter. They, the women went to the tomb expecting to find Christ dead because that's right. where they left him. Right. And uh, the angel that appeared in the story of Luke was actually it, he actually delivered a punchline. He his, his announcement was was a question: Why are you looking for the living yeah. where dead people are? Right. That's a that's a joke. That's good. That's a joke. Yeah. And so he's he's like, yeah, Easter Easter is a punchline. Yeah, that's good. Daniel, what do you what do you do to celebrate Easter? Well, that's one that we're continuing to to get better at. We normally just have gifts for the girls. We've got four girls and a kid on the way that we don't know what is. Ooh. Um, but. My sister for years has been hosting a full, nice dishes, dress clothes, family dinner. So after church, we go over and it is a, a, a family feast that rivals any family feast that we have. And so that's our, our big one. We, we get together with our people and, and feast. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, you know, I think that's what we've done the big feast for forever. Um, and, uh, I've been trying to kind of figure out like, okay, what, you know, cause I can like when Christmas comes, you have like the advent, you have, you know, um, all the, uh, you know, for at least what we did when our kids were younger. Now it's harder now as the kids are older and stuff, but we did something every night for advent during leading up all the way up to Christmas. You know, it, uh, we'd talk about the advent and the Christmas story and then we'd hand out treats and candy and, you know, do the calendar thing and, you know, yeah. Um, one night we would draw one night we would um, play sardines in the house or something with the kids um, and as your kids get older that gets a little harder to do <laughs> something every night yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, and, and so Easter we don't quite we haven't quite figured out how to how to do that we still do a little something every night um, during Easter I mean I, one of, we like to do trivia and marshmallows you know if you get a get an answer right you get a marshmallow kind of thing uh, but you know, just keep you can get a peep. Oh no. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what they are. They're just marshmallows, Gabe. Yeah. yeah. Just mar- marshmallow With like like, like crusted bunnies. imitation sugar or something on it. Yeah, it's, it's it's real sugar. It's real sugar. It's real sugar. It's, that's all it is. It's just various stages of sugar. <laughs> that's right. Shaped, shaped like a, different textures all the way through. Right. Shaped like a like a half partially mutated uh, duck chick. or chick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so throughout the so throughout the week we're we're you know we're every year we're learning. I'm not trying to like force any celebration on us and everything. We're gonna party this week and have fun. Dog on it. Um. <laughs> So, but as uh, we're gonna have fun whether you want to or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, there you go. That's just kind of something as I'm I'm kind of thinking through is like what additional things can we do to make uh, Easter something you know equitable or even better uh, than Christmas. You know, Christmas is such a fantastic celebration. We have such a blast that month. We really do as a family and as a church, and want to kind of. What do you do with sardines during the Advent? Do you know what sardines is, John? I know what they are. So like sardines, little play sardines, little play sardines, the game sardines. So so sardines is you're probably too old for this. Um, <laughs> Me? Yeah, you. Okay. <laughs> um, sardines is basically where you turn all the lights off in the house. One person goes and hides, and then everyone tries to find that person. And if you find that person, you stay with that person. 
you smash into their spot. Yep, you get in their spot, okay. and then and then everyone by the end of the you know all the lights are off, so it's kind of hard to see everything. And then by the end, everyone's all there except for one person looking around for everybody. Okay, see, you said you said we. You said we play sardines. Yes. And I thought you said we place sardines around the house. And I was trying to figure out, <laughs> I was racking my brain because I didn't want to ask a question. It was stupid. It was like, okay, what tradition is that where they put little fish around the house? They're, <laughs> I funny. should know about this. It's, it's like, Christmas related. How bad do they want their house to smell? I don't <laughs> I figured yeah, it was just a, a Texas thing. That's great. Well, hey, folks. Um, I have Daniel Spratt here on the show with us. Daniel, if you guys don't know Daniel, you should by now. Um, Daniel, uh, he's a body tech at Vetter's Collision Repair. Is that still true? That that is true. That's still true. Yes, um, sir. He's a. I, I believe you're a board member at Saint Saint Giles. Giles. Saint Giles. Yes. Correct me. Yes. Saint Giles Christian Classical School. Is that would that be it? Christian Academy. Christian Academy. St. Giles. I, I couldn't see the Academy thing. On Anyways, um, you're elder at Christ Church Leavenworth, correct? That is correct. And, yes. you, you know, husband to Sarah, and you're a father of five. And I can say father of five because you got one on the way, a bun in the oven. Yes. And we actually have two waiting for us on the far side. So, oh, we, yes. Uh, we, we have joyful hope for the future as well amen so. amen it's that easter week hope uh and you're also amen. Uh, people might not know this but but uh daniel was one of our first uh cross politic club members ever he was one of the first guys to like sign up um I, you, you and a, another guy out of texas were are uh, and, and actually someone from uh i think it was poland or the czech republic those were the wow. uh, you guys all signed up on the same day is what happened and um we we started club memberships because people were asking you know how can i support the show and 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 um you know knox and toby said no nah, we don't want to do that right now and, and finally i talked to guys and i was like hey, we got enough people asking i you know i think um we'd look, we should start some sort of club membership thing and i don't you signed up and this is back in i think was it 2017 where you signed up i don't i don't remember anymore or 18? And I remember you signing up. I'm like, who's this guy from Kansas signing up to support what we do? And so it it was. I, you know what I expected you to say, Daniel? Is I expected you to say, yes. In our family, when we signed up, it's an it's an entire month long event in our family. We celebrate every single. <laughs> we night. figure out. We play sardines <laughs> at our house to celebrate our membership <laughs> cross politics. That's funny, John. Yes. Yeah. No, uh, we don't remember it that much. <laughs> yeah. Well, that much. It wasn't that. It wasn't that exciting. <laughs> Becoming a cross politics club member is not that exciting. Well, so I wanted to get you on on the show actually because I, your story has always intrigued me. Um, you, you know, when I first got to know you, you guys, your family even drove up to Moscow to go one of our Grace Agenda conferences yeah. and everything. Um, and you were just this. You're this body technician. Um, you, um, started listening to cross politic and then you started supporting us and then you, I mean, you're, you've been a huge encouragement to us. I mean, you've, you, oh, good. you've been, uh, you know, at G3, I'll never forget your, your help with us at G3, stuff like that. And and then you, you, um, start doing barbecues at your house and it turns into a church plant. And then you start doing a classical Christian school and you know, the, uh, uh I think a lot of people don't understand 
um, that, that, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, I need money or I need, I need some free time away from my work to start schools, you know, to, to do all these things. And, you know, but you're, you're this blue collar guy who's just like getting it done. You know, I mean, how, what has kind of gotten into you over the years where you just, you're just going for it? Oh, that's a, a very good question. My dad was always, I grew up in a good godly Christian home and he and my mom were the type of people that when the church was open, we were there. If a need needed to be done, we were on the sign up sheet. So I give my parents a lot of that credit is just something needs to happen. You have shoulders, do it. Right. You know? And so it was one of those things that as we started down the, the traditional falling down the stairs into reformed theology, you know, just hitting your head on each one on the way down is <laughs> there wasn't a, a reformed Presbyterian, Pado Baptist, Pado Communion Church anywhere near us. We tried. And so, you know, when we went to the Five Laugh Feast conference, George Grant was talking. I re listened to that today. Um, and he said, if you see a need, you may be called. Yeah. And the guy behind me from our Bible study poked me in the back and said, I guess that means us. Wow. And so we came back and talked about it and said, Hey, let's see what happens. We talked to the presiding minister, Bill Smith for Tyndale and, and he's like, okay, let's find some people. Let's see what happens. So we got plugged in with Arnie Abens and the church at Christ church, twin cities. Yep. And they said, we'd love to, we'll be down in the, three weeks, let's do it. And so we're like, ah, and here we are. Wow. And so, um, because you're in, you're in Leavenworth, Kansas, which is what, 30 minutes outside of Kansas city or something like that. Yeah. Just, just North. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <clears throat> excuse me. And then you've also gotten into starting a classical Christian school. Um, dude, you work on cars, man. What are you doing? Um, not sleeping very much, sweating and praying a lot is what I'm doing. It's, it's uh, you know, I'm sure you're familiar. Pastor Doug has that Geronimo Amen prayer yeah. that my wife and I, in our in our seeing these needs and the vision, prayed that a couple years ago, and we've regretted it a few times since. But it's just the the Geronimo Amen. Yeah. We'll just do some work. Yeah. And so. Well, and what I, what I appreciate my dad was this, my dad was a blue collar worker. He um, was a pipe fitter and then became a fab manager for like Intel, Texas instruments, stuff like that. Um, and he helped start um, uh, the classical Christian school that I went to in 93 in, in Texas. And I remember, I remember my dad telling me, um, man, I'll, I'll put your Christian education on my credit card if I have to. Like that is, was one of the most important things to him. And he didn't have a background in classical education and, and i think most of the people that started our school didn't have background in classical education and in fact most of the people who started classical christian schools um in the 80s and 90s didn't have a background in class you know we're basically raising the first second third generation right now on classical christian education where that had been abandoned in the u.s for a long time um so yeah you know you going after it and starting a classical christian school is is even though not having a background and just leaning into it, yeah. um, you know, how's that, how's that process working and working through you and for you? Oh, it, it's, 
it is, it's work. Um, so we grew up, I grew up and my wife as well. We were some of those first generation homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. And I think pastor Doug says that there were the, the Christians that said, not with my kids, you don't. Yeah, that's right. Which, which was a fantastic blessing. I am honored by it and blessed by it. But now we're trying to take that, not with my kids and then start making fire, fire starters. That's right. You know, I feel like a lot of the homeschoolers didn't get the trash. We got, you know, God used our parents to give us a clean slate to start from. And so we've got a lot of good godly Christians, but now we want to start going on the offensive, get a good classroom right. Christian school that creates scrappy people that, that start fires that the world has to put out. That's and right. so that's the goal is like, you know, and as you know, we start a church and then almost simultaneously you need to educate your people. That's right. They almost go hand in hand. You have a church, you have little members, they need to learn. Yeah. And it's not that we couldn't homeschool our kids. A lot of people are like, why don't you just homeschool again? That's kind of one of the the things we're talking about Mm -hmm. when we're talking with parents is why don't you just homeschool? I mean, there's a lot of good stuff and there is, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't build cultures as much as it is Mm. like, what about the people that can't? Right. And so we're trying to spread that blessing. Sarah, I have no doubt that my wife, Sarah could give, do that for our kids, but mm-hmm. what about our grandkids mm-hmm. or the the neighbors' kids or the moms that aren't there or the parents that aren't there? It's like, oh, we need to provide that. Yeah. What? Um, so over the last two years, obviously the whole 2020 COVID thing has woken up a lot of people, and I, I think there's a lot of people tuning in to cross politic, to water break, to a lot of stuff that we I mean, we've grown significantly since 2020 in listenership. Um, uh, largely because their church abandoned them or their pastor wasn't teaching them uh, about how to think about this whole pandemic, all that stuff. And and I think as a result of all this, um, a lot of Christians are waking up and saying, well, uh, gosh, I need to start my own school now. Um, I need to plant a new church now because my pastor shut down or, or our elder shut down or our church is still requiring mass or something crazy. Um and so a lot of people, I think, want to start things but are nervous or think they don't have the tools or think, um, you know, what advice do you have for those people who are, who are, you know, kind of come from a background like us, like you, and it just you just went into it and started doing it? What, what advice do you have for them? That is a, a good question because we're getting some of that too, both as a church and some of the school stuff is, and we're getting interest from big established churches in town that have facilities that have money that have people that are like, Oh, keep us. We're interested. It's like, why are we doing this? Why aren't you, you yeah, know? Right. And, and I think some of it is our reformed history gives us a lean in, take the place you know, post mill viewpoint that I don't think, you know, they notice that there's a lack of a culture and they need one, but so much of the Christian church hasn't been thinking phenomically like, like how do you get a culture? Right. And so they're just lost. They don't know where to start. 
And so what advice would you give him? Where to start? Uh, just do it. Pray <laughs> the prayer, Geronimo. Amen. <laughs> and, and go. And but, go. I mean. Yeah, that's good. You know, I've been doing this for a long, people have been doing this for a long time. It's just, it's just work. Yeah, don't. Or find somebody else that's doing it and plug in. You know, don't be conditioned in thinking that you need um, a permission. You know, you need yeah. permission from the government. You need permission from this. You need, you know, don't. And and the, on the other side of this, there's a lot of resources out there. Actually, you know, um, uh, classical uh, ACCS, David Goodwin Association of Christian yeah. Classical Schools. He's going to be on the show here in, in uh, May. Um, but they're a great resource for starting a classical Christian school. He'll he'll have a call with you and, and he'll give you advice and you know, all that stuff. Have you, did you have that call with him, Daniel? Uh, I did not personally, the guy, KJ, who's yep. the, who's the headmaster has done a lot of that, but we have just made phone calls. We have had yeah. people everywhere bending over backwards saying, I started to, here's what you should do. Oh, yep. this, that people giving discounts on stuff. Yep. We've had zoom meetings with like, just call people yep. and, and this group of people just want to help. Right. Yeah. And and then on the church side of things, there's, um, you know, our denominations, the CREC communion of reformed evangelical churches, um, and, you know, reach out to a church that's, you know, two, 200 miles away or whatever the closest church is. And they'll love to help you, you get going and started. Yeah. I mean, there's, I know there's a lot of churches that are either wanting to start or come into the CREC or, um, you know, it's exciting. I think it's exciting time to be alive as, as much as discouragement as it looks like from these past two years. I think what God is doing in the church is amazing. I'm, I'm really excited about what reformation and Bible starting to look like in our churches. And, um, I, I can't think of a better time being alive right now. And, and it's just exciting. It's, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think God has been unveiling things and and turning on the lights and showing us where all the cobs web war, cobwebs are and it is like if you're a if you're interested in moving the moving the football this is this is the time not That's that right. it's going to be easy That's but right. you know who your friends are you know who's going to have your back mm-hmm. and and there's a little bit of disappointment in that we've had multiple churches that were considering hosting us once they found out that we believed the Bible, including discipline Oof. and other things, we've had two two churches be like, eh, you know, we're not really interested in you renting our space. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. that's well, where we're at. That's a, uh, you know, yeah, those are, I mean, obviously all the challenges that are going to come with starting a new school, starting yes. a church, those kind of things are, they're, they're significant, but. Um, I mean, I think God is making it really easy in a lot of ways. Uh, I think there's a lot of people who are hungry. So maybe some of the leadership and establishment or some of the people who, um, are, were happy with the way things were before they aren't quite getting it and they might be a little difficult to work with, but I think overwhelmingly a lot of people are hungry for a good community, good church and good education. I really do. Um, so, um, man, really, yeah, we, we have a family that has driven repeatedly two and a half hours one way just to visit. Wow. And they're bringing a friend. There's like this other family is interested in coming. So they're bringing visitors from two and a half hours away just to come worship. Incredible. It's amazing. That is. And, and Kansas is out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) It's the heartland. It's the heartland. You're going to, 
if, if you're going to change a country, you got to start at the heart, right? <laughs> That's right, man. Amen. There you go. That's post mill for Kansas basket. right there. Yeah. The, the bread basket. I mean, you know, this is where it starts. That's awesome. Well, I just, I just want everyone to know that, that, Daniel was our first cross Baltic listener and actually our first, not cross, he was the first cross Baltic listener, but he was the first, one of the first club members. And we have, now we have a couple thousand club members, um, seated and funded by a couple club members. And, uh, but one of the things we want to do over the years, I mean, uh, so daily wire just last week, I think announced and released their membership club membership, uh, numbers. And they have over 600,000 club members. Um, and I, I, uh, and that's long-term, Lord willing, by the grace of God, where we want to go. We'd love to have over 500, 600,000 club members all networking together, all doing stuff like this, planning churches, starting classical Christian schools, finding each other and locking arms with each other and fellowshipping with each other. I got a lot of big plans on how to do that over time. And so the more club members that support what we're doing is um, invaluable to I think helping, you know, our, one of our goals in all this is also to take over the Fox News audience, to take over the Daily Wire audience, to take over uh, the Blaze Network audience, because all those audiences are going to be um, uh, like Fox. They're going to be abandoned. They already are seeing con- their conservative values abandoned at Blaze. They're already seeing their conservative values abandoned at Daily Wire. They're already seeing their conservative values abandoned at Fox. Um, and so we want to bring Christ-centered news and content. Um, and the way we're going to do this is by growing our club membership base. And so when Daniel signed up, the first one, he's that that day he signed up, I was just encouraged greatly. And I, I didn't know that we'd get even get this far. Um, so I really appreciate you, Daniel. Wow, my pleasure. So I need you to hang around because now – we're getting into news that John Branding can trust. This is kind of that that I'm uh you know that Fox News segment uh, that you know we're 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 having a hard time trusting news these days. Um, you know who you know social media. You know it's just it's, there's so much noise out there, and so I had to me and John were, are working hard. We had to put together a segment where it's like, hey, we need to talk about news that people can trust, and so. John being a comedian, we if a comedian can trust this news, any anybody can trust this this news. So this is <laughs> I can trust it. Anybody can trust it. That's that, right. That's right. Um, so um, as you guys know, again, news John Brandon can trust. This is this is real. Hey, I love that, John. Way to go. Yeah, we're not messing around anymore. No, oh, that's that's quality. You need maybe like a city in the background or something. I don't you have know. a particular city in mind. Um. Maybe Moscow. I don't know. Say no more. I'll get that. No, like you're in like DC. You're like you're in DC. The White House is behind you. You're talking and everything. I like that. Okay. I don't know. I'm just making up as I go. Um, All right. So this is news John Browning can trust. So this week, if you guys followed last week, Elon Musk bought um, 9.2% of Twitter. Okay. And that 9.2% shares were he he became the largest share owner in Twitter. Then the CEO and Elon, the CEO from Twitter and Elon start talking. And they invite Elon to get on the board. And they invited Elon to get on the board with one massive condition that he couldn't buy over like 14.9% in stock. So they cap their capital. You can't buy over X amount of stock here. And and so Elon said, "Well, I'm not. I don't want to be on the board." 
I don't want those shackles on me. I don't want to be on the board. And so he turned around and offered Twitter, um, I think it was something like 50, uh, 43 to $50 million, depending on how the share, all the share numbers shake out. 43 billion. 43 billion. Not million. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. 43 to $50 billion for Twitter. And, and I mean, the internet has just gone crazy today. My, all my feeds on Twitter and Facebook are all about Elon Musk. All of them. I mean, it's like, you can't find another piece of news right now. And Twitter doesn't even have the name Elon Musk trending. Like, why, why is that not trending? Well, Max Boot, I don't know if you guys know who Max Boot is. He's one of the blue check Twitter guys. And he said, he said, I'm frightened by the impact on society and politics if Elon Musk acquires Twitter. He seems to believe that on social media, anything goes for more. This is this is true. This is not fake for democracy to survive. We need more content moderation, not less <laughs> for democracy to survive. We need more content moderation. Now, here's what's funny about Max Boot. So next to his blue check on Twitter, he has the Ukrainian flag. Which obviously means he supports Ukraine and the and the war and, and, and the Russia invasion and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking. He said, for democracy to, to survive, we need more content moderation. If he went to Russia and protested the Ukraine war, what would happen to him? He would be moderated. <laughs> yes, he would. Not only moderated, the dude would be beaten and arrested and thrown into prison nowhere. Well, that's what I meant. That's what I mean by moderated. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was flushing that out for, for those who couldn't. <laughs> so, yeah. it, it, I mean, just like the cognitive dissonance in that tweet. You know, he supports Ukraine, and 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 then he he thinks democracy needs to survive. You need more content moderation. That it, right, right. It's it's a beautiful thing. Everybody who is, everybody who is. Uh, anti-america and anti-free speech is in america those are the the people who are anti-free speech are the ones who enjoy the most freedom of speech Mm -hmm. and uh, and that's just true so you any any place else you go and you try to talk smack about the country they talk smack about the government Mm -hmm. in that country and it's just not going to go well for you Right. So the idea that the idea that what we need in order in order to perpetuate democracy and free speech is is more censorship and tyranny and oppression is just it's funny. Yeah. And we can laugh here because we still have for the time being we have we have free speech, but Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I I think it's funny the way people are talking about Elon Musk buying Twitter as if it's like the most the most significant event that has ever taken place on planet earth i mean there's people on the other side who are in my estimation a little overly excited about this I mean, it's just twitter right yeah. i mean yeah. it's just twitter so so elon musk takes over he buys it and it becomes a private organization and he's basically in charge of the whole thing now and he'll and he'll make changes but but he's not infallible either. Right. I mean, it's not like it's not like the people on the left are the only people who have agendas right. that they're that right. they're trying to propagate. Yeah. And so I, I don't think it's wise to necessarily go. Well, Elon Musk takes over Twitter, and the whole world is going to be free of tyranny and censorship. Yeah. It's like I, I don't. 
I don't know. We'll see. Well, you think billionaires of, are used to having things their way. That's what I'm saying. That's right. So. Well, you, we have a, a saying in our kind of community. You know, you go to one church, there's a bunch of sinners, and you go to another church, and there's a bunch of sinners, and you, you know, and, and you know, multiply that times what a couple billion on Twitter, and then <laughs> you replace a pagan board, um, you know, a bunch of liberals with pagan Elon Musk, and right. and we think. There's some sort of salvation in that exchange, right? Ugh. We like we like Elon Musk because he more frequently says things that upset yeah. the progressives That's who right. we don't like. You That's know, right. so it's like as long as Elon Musk keeps upsetting the people that we want to be upset, then we're like, well, he's on our side. Yeah, eh, that's not really true either. So, yeah. news: John Brandon can trust the Biden so administration. Far, a thousand. So far, so far, about a thousand. The Biden administration extends transportation mask mandate for 15 more days. That happened. Yes. That happened, John. Yes. And that's real. I was worried about that. Y- you know what 15 days represents, Daniel? It's another two years. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's another two weeks. Just two weeks to cross the curve. 15 days. I remember them saying that back I'm, in 2020. I'm driving more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember back in 2020, them saying just 15 days, just go into your house, close down your church, just stop your work for 15 days. That's it. That's it. 15 days. Trust the curve. It'll all be over. So flatten the curve. Yeah. Back to normal. So we fly out to um, uh, uh, Phoenix, May 19th for the Liberty Tour. And I'm just praying. I'm just praying it's done. And we said this on the show before. The airline industry has the absolute worst customer experience absolute worst and part of part of the reason why it's the absolute worst is they let the government infringe on their ability to operate you know right. tsa that they, they let the government do the tsa thing um and so we got to follow all these government rules just to get past the security lines um and then when you get on the plane the leg room is squishy the experience is, you know, for a while on the airplanes, they weren't even serving food during the pandemic because they didn't want to transfer coronavirus from your hands to the package, to the Coke can, to your hands kind of thing. Um, and then and then now somehow they figured out how to make it worse by putting masks on your face, requiring you to put masks on your face that don't work. Worst customer experience. Well, it's going to be, but they're, they're extending it for two weeks. And it's because of the uh, the why, surge. Why is it? What, the what surge. Are you telling us, they're afraid of a surge coming. Okay. Um, well, if we, I, I blame the airlines. You know, yeah. because if if there was, they, they t- say, well, the federal government and they're in all their announcements, they say the federal government requires you to be masked up in the That's airport right. and on the planes, even if you are fully vaccinated, and even yep. if you have a letter. That says that you are COVID negative, yeah. and so so LOL, all of you people who got vaccinated so that you could get back to normal. You know, <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, but but I'm gonna laugh. And then, but there's nothing. There's no way that they're going to put all of us in federal prison yeah. if 
the mask slips down under our nose during flights, yeah. right? Yeah. There's, there's just no way. Yeah. And so the militant uh, flight attendants who are like, you put your mask up, put your mask up, put your mask up. And the TSA people who are put your mask up, they tell you to pull your mask down so they can check your ID. And then you take two steps past them and they're like, put your mask up. Yep. And that literally happened to me in Indianapolis. Yep. So I pulled my mask down for one TSA agent. So yep. the next one could insist that I put my mask back up again. Yeah. And if we just stop doing it, what are they going to do? Yeah. If we just say no, what are they going to do? They'll they'll get a couple of people. If if only a couple of people do it, right. you know, if one person stands up and goes, enough of this, and they're going to haul that person off the plane. But if all 370 people on the plane stand up and say, we're not doing this, yep. they're not going to throw everybody off the plane. Yep. That would it's be, happen. that'd be fun. You know, the other thing is, is in the airport and on the airplane, they say this federal law requires you to wear a mask. How, how do laws get made? Simple question. Who makes uh, laws? People. Congress. Con- Congress. Congress. Oh, there's people. Did, did Congress vote on a mask mandate? I don't believe they did. No, they didn't. Federal. So uh, federal law. Where's this federal law coming from? They're just like pulling it out of thin air. And, <laughs> like Congress yeah. didn't make this law. So. It, you, you, that's a good argument when you go through security. Lastly, news that John Brandy can trust. This is definitely from Kansas right here. Um, uh, tis, TikTok suspends a Welsh celebrity farmer for his anti-vegan stance. Yeah. I, I love the fact that there is such a thing as a Welsh celebrity farmer. Just that the, that, <laughs> that guy exists makes me happy. I know, I know. And, and, and that he's on TikTok. I know, yeah, that's are right. The, are there any American celebrity farmers? I'm sure there are. One? I'm sure there are. But maybe, this maybe Orville Redenbacher. Is he a farmer? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I don't know. So his recent clip, he's holding a turnip. They have, they have turnips in Welsh. Welshland in Welshland in Welshland um, grown by celebrities yeah he, he's probably like the high you know it's a high class thing you, only the rich people can have turnips and and well um, and he's he holding a turnip in the video and he's explaining the fact that vegetables need um, cow manure to grow cow manure and so what happened was all these vegans went and reported his TikTok. Um, and he got suspended. Why? Because if the cow manure, do the vegans understand that the cows don't die when they poop? That, that manure is manufactured <laughs> by the cows to their betterment. It's act, it actually doesn't hurt the cows at all when you use their poop as fertilizer. Do the vegans not understand this? That, and they probably eat the turnips. The cows are eating the turnips and vegetables and everything. and It's good. I don't know if a cow would eat a turnip. I think the cow's a little smarter than that. <laughs> but humans aren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my point. My point. Well, he got his ban got lifted in in 24 hours, so he, he's back on. Um, but then apparently they slapped him with another ban again. I, I'm yeah. We need to. I'm not going to do it. So somebody else needs to do it. Somebody needs to make it their mission to explain to vegans where manure comes from, <laughs> and 
and bring them some peace. This isn't a thing. This is a thing. This, this is our Christian obligation to bring to bring truth and good news to people. Yep. And it would be good news for these vegans who are staying up at night and they're and they're worried about the welfare of these animals because they're using cow dung to grow vegetables. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? Yeah, where do they get the cow dung? It comes from the cows. We've got to put a stop to this immediately. It's like somebody needs to tell them. Even if you're not using it as fertilizers, it's the cows are still going to keep right on producing it. And keep going. Go. Right? It's not like they're just producing the dung for the sake of fertilizer. I mean, these, these new vegans are tough, man. They're tough. You can't you can't please them. <laughs> <laughs> tough is not the word I was going to use. That's true. <laughs> all right, all right, Daniel. Thank you for joining us, comedian John Brandon. Oh, my pleasure. Good to be with you guys. Until next time, go fight, laugh, and feast. This is the water break. Peace out. When tyrants take over, what's the first thing they do? Disarm. It happened in Russia, China, Germany, and most recently, Afghanistan. Why? Because disarmed people are easier to control. And over the last century and a half, American tyrants have been carrying out a slow, methodical disarmament that no one is talking about. State education. Tyrants know that education is warfare. Our rulers have a vested interest in making you totally harmless. They've got big plans and they don't want you getting in the way. Think about it. Would you rather fight an army decked out with high-powered rifles or a bunch of dinky water pistols? They know that if you can think critically, you're a threat. At New St. Andrews College, we want to graduate men and women who are dangerous. Dangerous to the world, dangerous to the principalities and powers, dangerous to spiritual wickedness in high places. Education can either arm you or disarm you. It can make you a threat or make you a useful idiot. So, where you get that education counts. Click the link to apply to New St. Andrews College today.